Hello, and welcome to High Schooled, the podcast where regular high school students talk about certain topics that are geared towards other high school students. My name is Riley Gaviero, and in this episode, I will be talking about a certain meritorious person that went by the name Bayard Rustin. Now, you might be wondering what exactly a meritorious person is. Well, according to vocabulary.com, the word meritorious is described as anything that's deserving of praise or reward. A little bit about Bayard Rustin. He is known as an American civil rights activist during the 60s. He was also an advisor to the Martin Luther King Jr., a figurehead of the civil rights movement. And Bayard Rustin was also the main organizer of the famous, well-known March on Washington, which occurred in 1963. After his trials with, after his his experience with the civil rights movement. A few years later, he also dipped his feet in the LGBTQ movement as well. So I guess you could describe Rustin as a very helpful person who is just looking out for other people's rights, and it might include his own as well. He is considered to be a meritorious person because he does not necessarily get a lot of credit for the countless amount of work that he has done and accomplished. Today, we don't really know much about him since we aren't being taught his trials and tribulations during school. Well, I'm here to change this. I feel that it is important to know Bayard Rustin because of what he has done for people who are living today. And it is also a good thing for current students who are in high school to know about this person. So, throughout this entire episode, I will be talking about Bayard Rustin and what his life was like and what he might have went through to become the person he ended up being. On March 17, 1912, in Westchester, Pennsylvania, Bayard Rustin was born. His childhood was filled with many events and he, just like everyone else was having a normal life. He was mostly raised by Jennifer and Julia Rustin, who were Quakers and who were also his grandparents. In school, he played on the football team and had a hobby of writing poems from time to time. Some believe that this is when his participation in activism truly began. He organized a sit-in at a restaurant that would only welcome his white teammates, but not people like himself. After his time in high school, he attended many universities like Cheney State Teachers College, 
Wilberforce University, and City College in New York City. This is when he truly began to live his life as a gay man. Before this, he was open about his sexuality because of the support from his grandparents, but it was not supported by the rest of society. After his time in college, he worked for the Fellowship of Reconciliation from 1941 to 1953. This was a non-denominational religious organization. He also organized the New York branch of another reformist group, which was called the Congress on Racial Equality in 1941. In Bayard Rustin's early career, he spoke up against racial segregation and advocated for the LGBTQ rights. During the 1950s, he started his career in activism and was influential within the civil rights movement. But because of his sexual orientation, he decided to take on a less public role in order to keep up the reputation for the movement and allow it to be successful. His career didn't truly take off until the mid-1950s. During this time, he began working with Martin Luther King Jr. and he was starting to work as his advisor. One example of them working together is when he went to support Dr. King in Alabama when the famous Montgomery bus boycott took place. What made him different from King is that he generally liked to stay out of the spotlight and work on his activism without the media's attention on him. People like Representative Adam Clayton Powell didn't like that they were working together on these issues and threatened both Rustin and King with a rumor that they were lovers and would tell the press this. After this time, Rustin planned a march that would start at the Washington Monument and end at the Lincoln Memorial, where many people stayed and listened to many speakers, which included Bayard Rustin. This, of course, was the famous March on Washington. Right now, I will play an audio clip of Bayard Rustin speaking to the large crowd that famous day. Bring to you the executive director of the March on Washington, the man who organized this whole thing, Mr. Bayard Rustin. After the March on Washington, a few years later, he decided to start focusing on the equality movement with the LGBTQ community since he was busy with the civil rights movement and wasn't really putting focus on the LGBTQ community. His work in this movement primarily began in 1966 in New York City and came to a close around the year 1979. 
In the same year, he was interviewed by Washington University. One question that he was asked at this interview was what was his role in the march. Rustin answered by saying, Well, Mr. Randolph asked me if I would set up the logistics for the march, which I immediately began to do. And those logistics were to create a 200,000 people. We really got a quarter of a million. And to get every agency in America, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, intellectuals, labor movement, everybody involved. And to contain so it was intensely nonviolent. And so I set up the plans for the march. And Mr. Randolph gave me the right along with Roy Wilkins and the other civil rights leaders to see that the march was carried out. He was also asked what his role was in the movement. He replied with, Well, my role was a very simple role. It was a role of saying to Martin Luther King and A. Philip Randolph, along with Walter Roy Wilkins, I have certain skills. I have skills which are good at analyzing problems. I have skills that are good in planning and executing, and I am also a good planner. And I drew up the first plans for SCLC because Martin asked me to. I helped plot the strategy for the Montgomery protest because he asked me to. I put on the March on Washington for all the civil rights leaders because they asked me to. And I was always comfortable with being of service to whoever were the leaders. I do not consider myself a leader. I consider myself a spokesman for a given point of view, and I believe that it's very important work, which I am doing. Where I got $12 million a year from the federal government to find it possible to give to young blacks, Puerto Ricans, and other minorities skills. We have a women's program for skills. One final question that he was asked was what did the government contribute what did the movement, sorry, contribute to the nation as a whole? Rustin concluded the interview by saying, I think the movement contributed to this nation a sense of universal freedom. Precisely because women saw our movement in the 60s stimulated them to want their rights. The fact that students saw the movement of the 60s, they created a student movement in this country. The fact that the people who were against the war in Vietnam saw us go into the street and win made it possible for them to have the courage to go into the street and win. And the lesson that I would like to see from this is that we must now find a way to deal with the problem of full employment and as surely as we were able to bring about the Civil Rights Act, the Voter Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act I mean, the Education Act and the Housing Act. So it is possible for all of us now to combine our forces in a coalition including Catholic, Protestant, Jew, and labor, and Blacks, and Puerto Ricans, and Mexican Americans, and all other minorities to bring about the one thing that will bring peace internally to the United States. And that is that any man who wants a job or any woman who wants a job shall not be left unemployed. Many believe that, that he disappeared after this because he was blackmailed.
As the movement began to gain momentum, a rival of his politically threatened to, to, threatened to accuse Bayard Rustin and Martin Luther King Jr. that they were involved romantically. Rustin thought that the only way to protect the movement was to hide away from the media and essentially give up his rightful spot in history. As a few years went by, he passed away at the age of 75 on August 24th, 1987 in New York City. This of course is where his story concluded. Now, I'm afraid that's all the time we have left for this episode. With the time we have left, I would like to tell you why I thought Bayard Rustin would be such a good pick and bring your attention towards. I think he is such an interesting person because at the start of his life, World War I was just beginning and he faced the trials and tribulations of the Great Depression. He also went through World War II and during the 60s, he played a huge role in the civil rights movement. Now, of course, as we all know, his work didn't just stop there. A couple years later, he decided to go into the LGBTQ rights movement as well. And because of this, he has accomplished so much. But one of the most interesting things that, that has happened to him was towards the end of his life, when he suddenly disappeared out of the mainstream media because of rumors that had been going around about him. Once you're done finishing this episode, I would also like you to stay in the high school series and go towards Victoria Cruz's episode where she talks about Jennifer Dudna and Emmanuel Carpentier. These people are two scientists who pioneered the revolution gene editing technology and are winners of of a Nobel Prize in chemistry. I encourage you to listen to her episode because it is a pretty interesting one. Signing off. This has been High School. My name is Riley Caballero. Goodbye.